Hey, welcome. It is seven minutes after 11 o'clock. The 12th House Speaker vote uh, is, about to, is about to start. Uh, I'm enjoying this immensely. Uh, we will uh, see if, um, if you manage to put some kind of a deal together overnight. Uh, it would be remarkable. Uh, he, he's, he's off. McCarthy's losing it by 21. Um, and he needs to narrow that down to, uh, I think, four in order to become the Speaker of the House. So we'll keep you up to date on that. In the meantime, I saw this story last week, and I was, I mean, it just made me crazy that uh, these kids uh, had earned these National Merit Awards, and they didn't, they didn't, uh, they weren't notified. Uh, and, and it's all in the name of equity. We don't want anybody to feel bad because uh, they're not doing as well. Well, if you're feeling badly, that might just motivate you to do better the next time around. But that's not the way they see it. Kenny Zhu is with us. Kenny has uh, written a, a book called An Inconvenient Minority, The Attack on Asian American Excellence and the Fight for Meritocracy. He's president of Color Us United, uh, and it advocates for a colorblind society. I like all of that. Kenny, welcome to the program. How are you? Hey, I'm great. Thanks so much for having me, Gary. Kenny, tell us the story about this uh, Thomas Jefferson uh, School for Science and Technology. What happened exactly there? So Thomas Jefferson was previously, and I use the word previously intentionally, the number one math and science high school in the entire nation. Um, it was the school that sent the most kids <clears throat> as a portion of its student body to some of the elite math and science colleges in the country. It is responsible for, its alumni are responsible for some of the most thrilling scientific discoveries in the country. And recently, by the way, very recently, the school has become 70% Asian American. Why? Because Asian Americans tend to study very hard, uh, apply themselves, especially in the math and sciences, uh, and they've been getting in at these extraordinary rates. Well, recently, the woke school board, Fairfax County in Virginia, uh, decided that there were too many Asians at this school and it wasn't, quote-unquote, diverse enough. So they lowered the admissions policies. They lowered the admissions standards mainly to accommodate um, blacks, but also whites, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And the percentage of Asians dropped by over 50%. And um, as a result, it is no longer the number one school in math and science. And now they're progressing further down the road of cultural mediocrity uh, by withholding these merit-based awards from their kids, saying we don't want the Asian students who got in because of merit to feel too good about themselves uh, and make the uh, <laughs> students who got in because of affirmative action feel too bad about themselves. Right, that's the point. You know, the motivation is, you know, if, if somebody is uh, doing better than me and I'm competing, I want to do better. I want to know, you know, who's doing what and I want to compete. If I don't know, I have no reason to up my game. Correct, and this this is the uh, this is this is this is the uh, mindset of mediocrity. If you never want to change, if you never want to grow, this is an excellent ideology for you. Wokeism is because it says that the people who change and grow are, in fact, quote unquote, privileged, um, and the Asians who have studied and applied themselves should not be looked to as an example, but actually as an example of an oppressor. 
Um, and this is what these people really believe. And even at the top number one math and science high school in the nation, the uh, public government controls it, and these people are occupied by liberals who believe these kinds of things. Um, and so this is Thomas Jefferson, as I cover, by the way, in my book, An Inconvenient Minority. Actually, I wrote about this almost two years ago, and look look what's happening now. It's rearing its ugly head. Uh, is an, is a example for the rot that is going on in our nation, the decline of meritocracy in our country in the name of so-called diversity, equity, and inclusion. You know, sadly, in about three generations, <laughs> all those excellent students, uh, their children and their grandchildren, will be just as, you know, back uh, backward as uh, all the rest of the kids today. Uh, and, it, and it is because precisely of this kind of mentality. These kids uh, suffered considerably. I mean, they could have used this information when they went to apply for college, couldn't they? Yeah, I mean, uh, and yeah, this is, this is effectively robbery of the deserving students' just desserts. These are national merit scholars. So these are basically, you know, the top meritorious school uh, scholarships in the country. And they were withheld from these students until it was too late, until the early application processes for colleges were um, were already uh, sent in. So these, these students didn't know. And, you know, part of the whole National Merit Scholarship is that it's supposed to be awarded before college except before college decisions so that they could put it into their application. But the purposeful withholding of this, even when parents were complaining about it long before they actually applied, the purposeful withholding was not a human error. It was intentional and it's intentional to spite the high performing students of the um, of the place. This is robbery. They should be sued. And, and one uh, was the one kid didn't know for two years. Is that right? Um, uh, I, I think that was one of the stories on there. Yes. Yeah, uh, kid. The parents, the family didn't know for two years. So, what's this? You know, I'm, I'm opposed to government schools. I think if you got the government completely out of education, the price would plummet and the quality would skyrocket. But I don't see that happening. Uh, let me ask you this. That recent Supreme Court uh, case, could that affect what's happening uh, with your community and others? Yeah. Um, so the case you're referring to is the Harvard yes. Students for Fair Admissions case, um, which I, I'm i part of the lawsuit and part of the board suing Harvard for discrimination against Asians. Uh, you know, an Asian student has to score about 270 points higher on the SAT to have the same chance of admission as a black student. And this is good for nobody. Why? This is good for nobody. Why? Because it sends the wrong incentives. It sends the incentive to the black student hey, don't worry about growing. Worry about providing the best racial victimhood narrative and you'll get in. And it sends a message to the Asian student, it doesn't matter how hard you work, you're not gonna be rewarded for it the way that you should be. So it sends a distorted conception of justice to our young people, uh, as well as being discriminatory. Uh, it's an awful, awful policy. It needs to be come down and the Supreme Court has the opportunity to do that right now. Um, in terms of how it's going to affect places like Thomas Jefferson, well, I really hope it sets a precedent in our public school system that public school systems, they have to recognize the meritorious. They have to. You know, it used to be that people had class ranks. Now, fewer and fewer schools are doing that. 
And let me let me tell you, I wish my school had a class rank. You know why? Because people rank themselves. <laughs> because it's in human nature to rank other people, except the problem is ranking needs to be based on meritorious things. And so people will rank themselves based on like popularity. In my school, there was like this leadership award that was a nepotism award. Um, and a so nepotism like award? Least, yeah, because the, the students from the uh, previous class who got the award would award it to the next class. Um, so uh, it was a nepotism award, basically. Um, and uh, so there's, there needs to be some sort of award or recognition for the people that really tried hard but maybe weren't so popular actually sacrificed their social life. Um, to get these grades, and a lot of Asian Americans choose that path, and they aren't rewarded for that. Yeah. So now, why bother? You know, what's the motivation? Um, they're killing motivation. They're killing excellence. Uh, they're just sucking the life uh, out of the next generation. Tell me about your uh, colorusunited.org. Yeah, we advocate for a colorblind meritocracy. That's what we advocate for. That means we're anti-DEI, um, and we actually fight institutions that are promoting DEI, such as maybe your own company that you're working for right now. If you're working for a Fortune 500 company, they probably have a very anti-meritocratic DEI program um, that is uh, asking for quotas and hiring, specifically for blacks and Hispanics and women. Um, and is also requiring people to go through implicit bias or inclusion training, both of which are based on shoddy science. Uh, we've targeted American Express and forced them actually to get rid of their diversity statements. Uh, we're about to target the medical system. So go to colorusunited.org. And by the way, for more of my commentary on this, I, I ask you to follow me on Twitter at Kenny M. Shu, Kenny M. like Mary XU. That's where I post my commentary on this uh, because we need to see what this system is turning into and we need to learn the tools to fight back and that's what Colorist United does. Talk to me about STEM uh, and racial justice. Uh, they're incompatible. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, can't argue um, with that. I, I don't, I, unless you can tell me the next time that a uh, that a math problem required you to see the race of the problem solver. There, there's no, there's absolutely no reason to bring race into STEM whatsoever. Um, uh, when you, you know, the problem that's going on right now, it, which I argue in my book, an inconvenient minority, is that people are using the language of racial justice to lower the. Uh, what the to lower what has previously been respected as universally good math standards so i'll give you an example um there's a stanford professor who's very woke um who is uh, who loves to talk about stem and increasing diversity in stem and she labels herself as a math professor in these bylines for these op-eds that she writes but if you look at her background she's not a math professor she's a math education professor um and these days math education is just as woke as the other education it's certainly not about math so people are using the privileges associated with you know being a good mathematician to put onto themselves even though they don't deserve it and that's that's the problem that's going on at stem right now is that the people who really deserve it aren't being recognized and the people who don't deserve it are getting it because of wokeism 
It's crazy making. Kenny, uh, you've, uh, your book, again, I want to remind everybody, is An Inconvenient Minority, The Attack on Asian American Excellence and the Fight for Meritocracy. It, 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 it's insane that we would do this. But, you know, once I'm aware of this, and I am, now what do I do? How do I solve the problem? Uh, you have to use your voice, and it doesn't always have to be, you don't have to be always public about it, but through an organization like us, like Colorist United, where we stand up for the ordinary American oppressed by DEI policies, um, you can express your voice in the army of thousands, because whenever we conduct a campaign, we always get popular support. So, um, and, and we drive our leaders to make the right decision. The Salvation Army last year tried to go woke, they try to make a document protesting racism in America and everything like that, um, which was just such a horrible document because their officers are literally going into the inner cities serving black and brown children. And now you're accusing them of being racist. I mean, how idiotic is that? So we confronted the national commander. We got 15,000 Salvation Army signatures and we forced him to rescind that document. And also, by the way, fire a few DEI people as well. So, yeah, we, we mean business here. Um, but you have to uh, you have to join us. You have to sign up for our petition at colorusunited.org. Colorusunited.org. Um, you know, I, I it, it's 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 ridiculous to take away the 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 rewards for the for those hardworking, uh, intelligent, and successful people. Uh, and if they're doing it in schools, I fear that somewhere along the line they're going to do it elsewhere. You're making too much money. You're you're too successful. Makes other people feel bad. Let's raise your taxes and knock you down a few pegs. I, I'm I, literally I see that you know the extension, the natural extension of this is to punish people even in their work uh, workplace down the road. Correct. Correct. You know, there was this, an American Express, which we successfully exposed last year. Uh, there was an employee named Nick Williams and his story. I'm sure many of you guys can empathize with. He was a high performer, number one sales performer in the entire country, made his company billions of dollars. I'm not exaggerating uh, through his global commercial sales division. Um, a uh, black woman comes in. Um, uh, basically accuses him of being a racist to her because he denied her a line of credit for her business, which failed all the standard credit scores. He gets interrogated by American Express's lawyers for 73 days and then rudely fired. He was, um, he was the top sales performer employee. We have the evidence on that. It's on our website at unamericanexpress.com. And this is the consequences of wokeness. It's the diminishment and decline of excellence. It is the resentment of those who not are not just are successful, but are successful because of their own merit. He was an excellent salesman. That's what they do, and he deserves to be remunerated for that. But uh, they don't care about those things. They care about what's your race, what's your gender, what's your background. It's insane. It's anti-American. It really is. Uh, Kenny Zhu, X-U is how the last name is, is uh, spelled. The book is An Inconvenient Minority, The Attack on Asian American Excellence and the Fight for Meritocracy. And it's not going to just be Asian Americans. It's going to be anybody who excels uh, that gets attacked. But exactly. it, it, it clearly is uh, uh, highlighted here. And you can go to colorusunited.org. Get on board with them. Because we got to start fighting back. Kenny, thank you so much for your hard work and coming on with us. 
I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Uh, it is Froster Buns Friday. It is the Gary Nolan Show. And this is the Zimmer Radio Network. It is the Speaker of the House vote. James Clyburn is up there. You know, he's the one who gave us uh, Joe Biden. Uh, I, I, I'm sure he's going to pick a winner this time. Oh, uh, I'm sure, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> On the floor of the House, <laughs> nominating Hakeem. All right. Uh, it is uh, 1127. Glad to have you with us on a Frost Your Buns Friday. Uh, this uh, this website, uh, colorusunited.org, they asked an interesting question. You've heard people get uh, being accused of acting uh, acting white. What does it take to act black? Because I, I I didn't know that the, you know the, the, there was an acting white thing here, uh, but there's a, a, a great piece here about. Uh, Acting black. A 2013 study by researchers at Howard University found that black middle school students considered striving to get good grades to be acting white. That study also found that students believed being intelligent or acting like a nerd and or geek was acting white. But living in a bad neighborhood or having ghetto mentality were traits associated with acting black. Why would you want that? I want acting black and acting white to mean the same thing. Successful, hardworking people being reward, rewarded for their contributions. It's a great piece. You can find it at uh, colorusunited.org. Uh, in the meantime, I got a message from David. I got callers on the line. I'm going to try and get through all of this uh, and then uh, cover the House uh, speaker. Uh, race. Uh, let me start off with Joe. Joe, welcome. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Well, good morning. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, too. Yeah, I just wanted to share something. I was listening to uh, Joe Paggs last week, and his uh, I guess speaker was a former uh, Republican senator from Iowa, Stephen King, same name as the author. And he was saying that the diversity with the Republican Party uh, he said that uh, Trump's being blamed for a lot of this, which he's not the cause. He said the problem is it's the established Republicans, and he's talking about McConnell, Romney, and them. He said they do not like the young Republicans that are being uh, elected because of their stand with the Constitution, balancing the budget. It goes against what they want to do. And he was saying that those established Republicans, he said, would rather lose, have the Republicans lose to where they're the minority in Congress rather than have them there with them uh, and be the majority. And that's what they're fighting. And I think that's what the infighting is going on right now with, uh, with McCarthy. I've been arguing this for years, that, that uh, the Republicans do nothing but cave. We do nothing except keep moving to the left. They always compromise to the left. Uh, and it's time that some, you know, some of these old legislator, le legislators, that's not easy to say at this hour, step aside and let the young guys that are willing to really fight get in charge. So I agree with uh, with uh, Pag's guest. All right, yeah, Joe. He was spot on. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good, good show. Appreciate it. Thank you. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Uh, boy, can I get John in before? We, no, we don't. We've got uh, just a yeah. few seconds. John wants to talk about education. If he hangs on, I'll get to him. David sent me an intriguing message uh, from GaryNolan.com. We'll get to that. And then we have the House race, the vote for the Speaker. A lot of ground right here on the Gary Nolan Show, the Zimmer Radio Network.
This is the Gary Nolan Show. It is uh, 1135. Uh, the 12th ballot vote for the House Speaker is underway. We will keep you apprised. We'll see if McCarthy manages or has managed to pull it out. Um, in the meantime, we were talking about education. I got a couple of interesting emails and a couple of uh, interesting phone calls that I got to get to. I'm going to kick off uh, with a phone call. I'll go to, I'll go to John. John, welcome. How are you? Uh, yes, I'm doing okay. Thank you, Gary. I hope you're doing well. Uh, I am. Thank you. bring up some pretty good subjects, and education is one that I guess because I used to think that I got a good education back in the the 60s and 70s, but I find out now that really the teachers that taught me didn't teach me that much. And only taught me a little bit, a little bit here and a little bit there. So I pulled out my McGuffey readers. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen a set of them. And they tell me that the, the set of McGuffey readers, I've never gone to college, that if you read the full set of McGuffey readers, which is a small set of books, that you would it would be equivalent to a college degree or college education. And I kind of find it interesting because occasionally I'm around the Amish, and their handwriting Young, the young children have a meticulous handwriting, and they write cursive. They do math in their heads. They don't use a cell phone to calculate what people owe them or anything of that nature. And I'm thinking their education is really pretty good. So I pulled my McGuffey's out, and if you will allow me, I'll read you one, one little bit of it here. And this might be why we don't use it anymore. It says, all you do and all you say he can see you in here. When you, when you work and when you play, think the war is near. Now, I think that that probably goes against the grain of countless today for the school education to bring religion into your education. But it was such a part of our country years ago. Yeah, well, it's public school was never a good idea. Government school was never a good idea, even to begin with. The whole impetus behind it was crooked I, I was trying to think who was it that made the comment and he took the job for free and he said all he wanted to do was basically run the education and he could change society within two decades or something like that well um, it's yeah. it, education is dominated by the left and they have destroyed it as it stands uh, but the whole concept of it literally from from the get-go was wrong and crooked uh it's morally bankrupt to take your neighbor's money to educate your own kids on top of everything else if the government got out of it it would just be so much better but people don't see that and now they think john that school has to exist in order for mom to go to work if mom and dad go to work we've got to have public schools to watch the kids that's what they were upset about that they, they, they're literally uh, just babysitters. It's pathetic. Um, yeah, I would. I'm actually considering buying a set of these for my grandson, but I don't think my daughter-in-law would use them. She'd probably sell them on Facebook. <laughs> she, because she's one of those that she believes that the education's coming out of the school. Well, it's, when the grandson comes to visit, that's when you should share the books together. Well, unfortunately, I don't get that opportunity, Gary, and maybe that's the reason why. <laughs> All right, well, I don't know what to funny, tell you. But it's, a, it's not funny, but it's the way it is. Just All right, 
Well, All thank right. you, Gary. You Thanks, have a John. very good day. Thank Appreciate you. It. You too. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Just to keep you up to date on the vote, it's uh, 21 McCarthy, 18 Jeffries, 2 uh, who are voting for others. If that gets over 4, then McCarthy still doesn't make it. If it gets back to 21, man, it's it's like ground zero. Where it's it's uh, Groundhog Day, rather. Um, so we'll keep you up to date on that. Messages uh, from David. I believe this... I believe there is only one root issue that is responsible for the uh, problems that we face in our republic today. And it is that too many are content to complain on the radio or keyboard, but not stand and speak out for what is true and what is right, including the church of today. I would venture to guess that even though you constantly discuss many of these problems uh, that we have and that we face today, and your audience is aware of them, very few actually take any action to change them. I have been a political type. Uh, I have been to political type rallies in this area, uh, and have also been a very good candidate. Have seen very good candidates lose races because of the lack of participation of these complainers that stay home on the couch. Until this changes, restoration of the country will never happen. I'm encouraged by the Freedom Caucus group standing uh, their ground, letting us all learn a lesson. Uh, change will not happen without us. Stand up and speak out. Uh, you know, I've, I've been arguing the same thing. Um, I actually think in Boone County, in Columbia, if we could somehow motivate all the conservatives... We could take it back. But I don't know what, you know, and, and I guess uh, politicians and um, uh, uh, political consultants have been worrying about this uh, and trying to solve it forever. What does it take to motivate people to get out and vote? What does it take to motivate people to, to stand up and fight? I don't know. But if I find out, uh, I'll be a multimillionaire. Uh, Mark says, I've told you what I do before. I'm surrounded by Asians all day. I'm here to tell you if we wanted to migrate people that were motivated, highly intelligent, and wanting to improve their lives and their communities, we should welcome them more. Out of every demographic, they commit nearly zero crimes. Uh, it's a shame. It really is. Uh, all right. Uh, so far, Mac uh, the uh, anti-McCarthy Republicans... Uh, there's, there's, they're stuck at two. Uh, the magic number to stop McCarthy, uh, you know, anything over four, I guess, uh, pretty much does it. What they were getting before was 20 who were voting for others and one who was just voting present, which is essentially an anti-McCarthy vote. He's supposed to have closed some kind of deal made some kind of concession that might allow this to wrap up on the 12th ballot. With a little luck, we'll find out uh, be between now and the uh, end of the program. But we will see. Uh, it, it would be... I'd like to say it would be good if we could wrap it up, but it only, only if they actually accomplish something. 
then it's, you know, then it was worth it. Otherwise, not so much. Uh, there is apparently, um, and, and I know Matt Schlapp. I don't know him well, but I know Matt Schlapp. I knew his predecessor, David Keene, uh, much better. But Matt Schlapp is apparently in trouble. Uh, if you don't know who he is, he is the chairman of the American Conservative Union. And uh, the allegation is that he was groping a guy um, when he was uh, in, in Georgia trying to get some support for uh, Herschel Walker. A staffer for Herschel Walker's Senate campaign has alleged to the Daily Beast that Republican activist Matt Schlapp made, quote, sustained and unwanted and unsolicited sexual contact with him while the staffer was driving Schlapp back from an Atlanta bar this October. The staffer said the incident occurred uh, October 19th when Schlapp, chair of the American Conservative Union and lead organizer for the influential Conservative Political Action Conference, groped and fondled his crotch in his car against his will after buying him drinks at two different bars. The staffer described Schlapp, as, uh, who had uh, traveled to Georgia for the Walker campaign, uh, as inappropriate and uh, repeatedly intruding into his personal space at the bars. And keenly aware of his power dynamic with Schlapp, widely regarded as one of the most influential figures in national conservative politics. I really hope this is not true. But I can't imagine why the guy would lie. That doesn't make sense. On the speaker's vote, others is up to three. Not far from uh, the end of the road uh, for the, uh, the McCarthy vote this time around. Uh, we'll uh, give you another update. Una momento. You're listening to The Gary Nolan Show on the Zimmer Radio Network. It is uh, 1149. Brian, I, I, need, I need your advice. Do you mind? Okay. No, uh, not at all. Uh, Sandy sent me a friend request on Facebook. She's from Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh-huh. Uh, a rather uh, busty, nubile young lady whose uh, photograph is, well, it, it's it's not pornographic, but it's in incredibly revealing. Yeah, yeah. It to be in her I, I'm pretty sure teens. that's a regular listener of the program. Go ahead and click. Go ahead and accept. click. Yep. Accept? Yeah, oh, you'll be fine. Okay. Thank you. No problem. I, I'm here to help. I, it's, I always come. I got a you. bunch of those on my list. I don't know who they are, but they're listeners from out of state. <laughs> sometimes out of the country. And, yeah, sometimes. Yeah. I have difficult time logging on each day, but uh, <laughs> other than that, I, you know, it's fine. Yeah, friends keep asking you why you sent stuff you didn't send. <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, all right. Uh, McCarthy does not make it again. <laughs> no. uh, McCarthy. Huh? Oh, this can't be. Six. Yeah. Now six. Yeah, he, he's, he is not, uh, not going to be uh, elected speaker. I thought they might have had a deal. That's what everybody was saying, that uh, he had made it, uh, some kind of a deal overnight. But apparently that didn't happen. Uh, once you get to six, I, I'll tell you what could happen, Brian, is, you know, instead of having... 20 voting for someone else and another one just voting present, a total of 21. Maybe that number drops to 18 or 17. Right. Uh, and then the momentum starts to work its way Maybe. Uh, in his direction. But if this comes up at 21, then, then the Republicans need to get together and say to McCarthy, yeah, look, I mean, they're dug we in. need a consensus candidate. 
uh, and you're not it. And can you imagine how embarrassing it'll be for him to have to move out of the uh, no I speakers? But that's what they need to do. Uh, if this continues, they need to to go to McCarthy and say, "Look, these twenty twenty one people, they are not going to vote for you. We got to get the people's business done." And this, you know, this may seem messy, but it's the way things are supposed to be. It's supposed to be messy. Every branch of government is supposed to work slowly. They're supposed to be at odds all the time. That's what the founding fathers wanted. They didn't want it to be easy to screw the pooch. And it's in a, and for the most part, it worked till the turn of the last century. And, and then it just got worse and worse, and it got worse faster and faster. Uh, let's see. Status quo in education. Hey, Gary, status quo in education. There is too much apathy in education today, but who the hell cares? Yeah? <laughs> Very good. Uh, Barb, welcome. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. Well, McCarthy's losing is not the fault of Missouri because everybody from Missouri is supporting him. Yep. Yeah, well, we do we, do we have... <laughs> Any. We have no consti- We have no one constitutional in Washington D.C. from Missouri. They claim conservative, but they are not constitutional. They run as conservative. They run as Republicans, which I have my doubts on that. But uh, they don't support the people in their districts. Um, you know, they they're just there to increase their their wealth. Nobody wants to do what needs to be done, uh, and that's the problem. Missouri has some of the lamest politicians in Washington, D.C. They are so spineless. They can't stand up for the right thing. If I retire and decide to run for the House of Representatives, would you vote for me? Yes. But I thought you wanted to be the uh, new CEO of, of Twitter. Well, you know, I can do them both. I mean, it really, it's not that big a deal. They're both just part-time jobs. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll do that and keep the radio thing. Barb, thank you for the call. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but apparently uh, the uh, radical Islamists, Al-Qaeda, are threatening uh, to kill Americans again. They're they're um, threatening to use airplanes, and, and they they seem to suggest that they have um, a new way to to attack. Thank goodness we have the TSA, you know, doing the blue glove technique. So yeah, I really really feel confident that uh, you know. Well, and then of course we have the federal air marshals, yeah, who are going to be on those planes and armed and. Oh, wait. <laughs> they're, they're not going to be on the planes. They're at the Mexican border um, handing out uh, welfare checks to immigrants. They, 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 they might have been successful uh, had they been on the plane. Al-Qaeda planes, uh, I'm sorry, Al-Qaeda plans plane attacks using, quote, new techniques and tactics as air marshals keep getting sent to the Mexican border. Uh, Judicial Watch has the story. And 
It just makes me feel so much better. Uh, the threat couldn't come at a worse time as the Biden administration leaves aircraft at risk by sending 150 to 200 federal air marshals every month uh, to the southern border to help deal with what it calls a surge in irregular migration. The deployments will continue indefinitely, according to multiple federal air marshal sources. Uh, and especially trained aviation security specialists are outraged. So maybe maybe you want to drive um, like the uh, like the airline industry <laughs> hasn't been underwater enough. But they're they're busy at the border, you know, tied uh, tied up, if you will. Uh, tomorrow morning it starts at eight a.m. It's Gary on guns, and boy, have we got a ton of stories. I almost said uh, a, a no-no word in there, but I, I caught it. I did. Uh, so you'll want to join us for that. It's from 8 to 10 a.m. We're going to have lots of fun, lots of laughs, lots of serious talk. And if that's not enough, we have a segment of the program we call Show and Tell. Uh, and that's when uh, somebody at a retail store brings in guns to drool over. To drool over, yes. Drool-worthy guns, as I call them. Uh, and I think it's Garson at Graf's tomorrow, am I, I right? Think it is, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, it's you got to watch it with Garson, because he'll bring in uh, guns and say, well, you know, we only had one and I just bought it. It's like, well, what, 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 it's like talking rope to... Why would you, why would you do that to me? Uh, tantalize me with this great firearm and then tell me, you just bought it yourself. But he does. He brings in some great guns. Uh, so that'll be uh, tomorrow. Update on the vote in the House of Representatives. McCarthy, 115. Jeffries, 109. Others, 6. Um, so i got a long way to go. This, this is really going to be fun. I'm curious to see if they eroded any of the support for others. And if at some point... They can't say we need somebody else to throw their hat in the ring. I actually think some of these people who are voting for uh, you know others, maybe they should throw their hat in the ring. But I, as divided as this Congress is, I'm not sure I'd want to be a, uh, the Speaker of the House. Uh, it's going to be like herding cats. Listen, Glenn Beck is coming up. Sean Hannity will be with us. Uh, well, uh, the, all the great talkers right here. Whatever it is in life that you want, go out and get it. Don't wait for the government to drop it in your lap. You make it happen. You seize the day. Carpe diem. Glenn, baby. Honey, I'm coming home.